You are listening to the Wisdom with Trish podcast. This is episode 104, Progress Over Perfection, my interview with Monica Packer. Hello, friends. Oh, how I've missed you. It's been six months since I recorded a podcast, and I'm getting ready to come back for season two. But in the meantime, I didn't want you to miss out on this wonderful opportunity that you're going to hear about today from Monica in this interview. So I really wanted you to hear this, and it was really fun to chat with her, and I'm really excited for you to hear about all of the wonderful things that she talks about when we discuss progress over perfection. All right, friends, here we go. Welcome to Wisdom with Trish. I'm Trish, I'm your host. I'm a mom to six kids. I've been married to my sweetheart for 28 years and I'm a life coach. But most of all, and why we're all here is I spent 30 years chronic dieting. Yep, most of my life I've spent trying to be in a smaller body. And this podcast is about my journey to turning to God and trusting Him to not diet anymore. I found a path of health and a path of loving the space I take up in the world. And I'm here now to help other women do the same. So I'm so glad you're going to join me on the journey. All right, here we go. Hey, 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 friends. I am super excited about the podcast today. Um, I have followed Monica Packer for, well, probably if I'm going to be honest, since I started podcasting, Yeah, Monica has an amazing podcast and she just knows a lot about that. And so, but she knows a lot about a lot of things that we're going to talk about today. But when Monica reached out to me and said she'd love to be on the podcast, I was thrilled And I'm excited for all of you to meet her today. So hello, Monica. Hello. Thanks for having me. I I am really excited because your community is something I'm really passionate about, but I I don't teach this stuff. Like I don't coach women on it. And I think it's phenomenal that you are doing it, but I feel right at home. Oh, awesome. And I felt probably connected to you because you've shared this part of yourself before. And I'm excited for you to share with our audience today. But tell us a little bit before we jump in, tell us about you, Monica, because I want my audience to kind of know you before we start chatting about all the things. Yeah. So, uh, we, uh, our recent, um, residents of Utah as a family, we have four kids, one on the way and, um, alongside, you know, primarily taking care of them. I'm, I'm a podcaster at a podcast called about progress and in our show, we're all about personal development outside of perfectionism and we go deep and we also go practical and, um, I love doing it. I've been doing it for almost six years. And as part of that, it's evolved into other things. Um, but primarily through it, I just love to learn and I love to teach. And as a former middle school teacher, it's nice that I can have that skill set be put to use in other ways. And it's um, been a wonderful, wild, hard ride. Right. So fun. And I didn't know you were previously a school teacher. 
Yeah. I that's taught amazing. English and uh, history to seventh and eighth graders. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So fun. Okay. So you did say your, um, your podcast is called about progress mm-hmm. and share with my listeners today, how that, like why you started that. Like I know this, but I want them to know why oh, you sure. started that. So it all was part of a large in my life uh, that had asked before I even began the podcast. Um, I was six months away from turning 30. I'm 36 now. And at that point in my life, I just realized that I was on the sidelines of my life. And I could have finally identify a big root of why I was stuck in paralysis with working on myself, on my own goals, on my own habits, on my own development, on having interests and hobbies and all those kind of things, like having a rich and full life. I was on the sidelines of all of it. And of course I could like blame the kids or I could blame our circumstances, like my husband being gone almost all the time working and, um, and other things, you know, like that's not having a lot of money or a lot of support around where we lived and all that kind of stuff. But really when I got real with myself, I was able to see it was a different form of perfectionism than I knew I had and that I knew I qualified as having, because before the first 20 years of my life were all about the stereotypical perfectionism that we all think of when we think of a perfectionist, someone who was super high achieving, very on top of it all, very uh, type A, um, performance driven. And I was that person, but then I paid some pretty big costs. One of them uh, was my relationship with my body, which became one of the outcomes that was supposed to measure my inner worth. And as you know, with that one alone, you're constantly chasing something that never matches what you need, that fulfillment, that place of value and, um, and, and proof that you are worth it and that you're a good person. Um, I also lost relationships. I lost my mental health. I lost my physical health and in my pursuit of recovery, I went to like the other extreme. Like I would still show up as a very dependable person when it came to my responsibilities, when I was a teacher, you know, then as I started having children and, you know, I still did things within education there. Like I mentored students and all that kind of, or student teachers. And, um, so I could show up, I could show up for my church responsibilities, for my children, um, for my, for my little part-time job for my piano students I had on the side, but when I had anything to do with myself, I was too terrified because I knew in my mind that the only way to grow, this is what I thought the only way to grow was all or nothing. And all came at a price I could no longer pay. I was no longer willing to pay. So instead I just became like a a nothinger, but I thought that meant I wasn't good enough to be calling myself a perfectionist, but you know, six months before I turned 30, we're zooming forward. I, I was that way for about 10 years, by the way, zooming back and forward, I guess, to the six months before my 30th birthday, I realized the root was actually still perfectionism that even though I was now an underachieving perfectionist, it was still based in fear of failure, fear of not measuring up, of still measuring myself, even by my outcomes or lack thereof. And the results were pretty much the same as when I was an overachieving perfectionist, I was still paying a price. I was paying lots of costs actually. And most of them were really similar to my mental health, my spiritual health, my relationships with others, um, 
and just my life, just feeling like I had a life that I could show up to. So I'm sorry, this is a very long um, answer to your question, but what I began to do was just to try to find myself again. And as part of that, try things that I was interested in and hobbies and to kind of lean into the side of myself that I'd shut down for many years, this more ambitious, you know, progress growth looking side. And it was all going to be about progress, not perfection, which was a whole new way to me. It was like throwing out the manual on personal growth and creating my own, you know, because I still felt like everything out there was telling you about all the ways you grow and it changed my life. It really did. And that's when the podcast started too. I was already in the motion of trying things for the sake of trying, not because I had to be successful or good at them. And I can tell you that's how the podcast was and often still is, you know, for many years. And, but it's not about the podcast. It's more about what I've learned along the way. And and this community that has been a part of it too, along the way of incredible women who are learning that that's where true growth is. It's removing your self-worth from the outcomes and it's leaning into a sense of knowing who you are outside of any outcome, but paradoxically, as you're growing with room, for failure, you grow more than if you don't make room for failure. Um, so that's just, that's awesome. I, you know, I still could have talked for hours on that, but hopefully sure. Cause well, that's your thing. Of course you yeah. can talk about hours about that. That's awesome. So you mentioned a little bit about you, cause you know, we're here and a lot of what happens at wisdom with Trish is we talk about kind of the messages the world gives us about who women should be and what Mm -hmm. women should look like and what should matter to women. And we're kind of given this list. And like you said, it's a list that we are given, but, and then we believe that our worth comes from the list. And so as I've watched your account over the years and watched you, I've watched that you have walked away from that diet culture that we talk about here on the podcast Mm -hmm. And tell us what that looked like for you, because I think I kind of have a grip of how you did that. You like, you just had to let go of the perfection of whatever you were doing and just be like, well, I just, I'm going to try to eat a banana today, or I don't know. I don't know what that looked like for you, but for those of us who are listening, I feel like my listeners, the biggest challenge they have, they're usually women that have tried every diet and they're trying to learn to love the space they take up in the world instead of trying to change that. Yeah. Able to love it. And they really get stuck in the space of if I could just find that perfect diet and do it perfectly mm-hmm. and happiness is on the other side of that. Yep. And I don't know how that reared its head for you. Um, but I would love to hear more about that. You know, the nutshell of my, my history with like my relationship with my body and also how the eating disorders came about really just springs from good intentions, you know, trying to just be a good person and thinking as a big part of that, that that meant you are regimented in the way that you um, treat your body, take care of your body, but mostly the way you look, um, there was a real misplacement of identity going on. Yeah, I really misplaced who I was based on the way I looked and was part of that, how, how thin I was. It was a big part of my culture growing up 
Um, I was also a dancer. Um, I never had teachers who were outright, you know, declaring that we had to look certain ways, but you read the room, you, you know, you know, what people expect, what they like, what they compliment, what, what they honor, um, whether it's within your family or, you know, within your hobbies or your, your, your faith community, it's you read it. And when you are a rule follower, like I really was, and just so intentionally trying to be good, you track those things and you follow suit. Um, but it became more and more controlling. And so, and, and to a place where it, you know, it it was a matter of life or death for me to, to leave diet culture behind it, 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 it has been really gradual in terms of recovery and the thought patterns. And it's still something I'm working on to this day. Although I would definitely say, um, I'm light years better than I was 16 years ago when I started that recovery. Um, but starting it was a matter of life or death. I literally was losing my life to it. Um, and it wasn't because I was successful at following. I I grew to a point where I could no longer maintain all the rules. I was a failed anorexic, you know, I I wanted the good eating disorder anorexia. And I was so, um, you know, entrenched in shame because I failed at that. I felt at control. It became binge eating. I, I can't purge, uh, my body doesn't let me throw up. And I can tell you that because I've just been through four months of really intense morning sickness where I wish I could have a little relief. My body just doesn't do that. So I had to find other forms of that. I don't want to make this a triggering podcast, but that's a big part of the shame piece to me is, is I didn't even know who to ask for help. I was not honest with anyone in my life. Nobody in my life knew about my eating disorder. Um, until a couple of years ago, like when I started my my, my experiment with progress over perfection. That's the first time I began to share about it. My husband didn't even know he knew I had like issues, but it wasn't until after we we were married that he was like, you didn't have an eating disorder. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I never said the words because the one. So learning how to leave that was like ripping out my brain and every part of how I knew how to function and behave and view myself and building it all from scratch. And it has been a constant series of breaking, remaking, breaking, remaking. And the progress has been so slow, but it has been still miraculous over time. And that's been a big part of what I'm passionate about teaching progress, because that's what it actually looks like to change. It's having the courage to believe that you are changing, even when you don't feel it and you don't see it. If you are working towards it in the best ways you can read, not perfect, then you are experiencing the growth. It's just not, it's just not visible yet. And that's been every part of my life, not just eating disorder recovery, but things with my relationships, things with my, um, my, you know, problems with my kids, uh, struggles within my marriage, even down to things like, um, working on my relationship with body and food and spiritually, like it goes across everything. So that's really more of the history there. Yeah. So this is this, when I was following you and you would share some of about that, 
it really just something I teach here is that diet culture doesn't have any respecter of persons because Monica, if people were to see you, they would say, but Monica, you live in a very socially acceptable sized body. Yeah. I'm it just sure doesn't think it, that. And, and it, that's what it has, has nothing to do with that. It has to do yeah. with the messages we receive that we're just not enough mm-hmm. and that through our bodies, we can become enough somehow. And whether that's through, I'm in dance school and I'm getting messages that I should look like her or it's, oh, I wish I had this hair, but I wish I had that hair. Like it doesn't, it's not always about body size. Sometimes it's just about, we just get in the comparison trap and how do we navigate this world and not do that anymore and find that power within us to go. I was born with worth. I already have it innately in me and put all that down. I think that that for some of us, it's a life's work. Oh, for sure. And you know, some people get really discouraged by that, but I will say even just a few months into my recovery, when I was like going to this therapist at my school at my college and nobody knew, like not even my roommates, you know, and I was really upset because I wasn't changing yet. <laughs> like two months in, you know, I was like, why am I not better? Like what am I, can I fix this? It was getting worse, you know, actually. Sure. It's going to fight. He, oh, yeah. it reared its ugly head for sure. But my therapist said, you know, this will likely be a thorn in your side the rest of your life. And when he said that, I didn't feel despair. I felt weirdly hope (laughs) because I thought that means it's okay that I can't fix this right away in the way I want. Now I will say, I don't think it's nearly the thorn in the side that it was. So I want to still tell people that's not totally the truth it's evolving. I'm still working on it. You talked about, you know, how body size has nothing to do with it. I've had to face that, you know, even the last couple of years, I've had to really face, like, do I really believe in the things I've thought I believed about my source of value and my body? Because my body has changed a lot since COVID began. And I also, um, was just facing kind of like health issues. I went through a miscarriage I, and I was gaining lots of weight and I don't weigh myself, but it was, you know, my clothes weren't fitting and I couldn't recognize myself in the mirror. And it was one of those times I really had to like boots on the ground. Do I really believe in what I thought I've believed the last 16 years? And is this, is it my, is who I am? My body? Is it my changing face? Is it, is it these new wrinkles or, you know, you know, all those kind of dripping eyes and stuff, you know, but, um, I think it's going to be a journey. It's going to be one of those things that the journey changes and you get stronger in different ways. And then you're going to be challenged and then you grow again. But it's just like having that continual courage to face those demons when they come back up in different ways (laughs) and in different forms or in new seasons. And you do get stronger each, each time. Beautiful. And that is true. And I think sometimes when it shows up, we think, oh my goodness, here it is again. Oh, I used to be so angry. Yeah. Where instead I just think it's one of those, it's time for me to learn again. It's time for me to, Mm -hmm. I love when you said boots on the ground. This is when I dig in and what do I know? What have I figured out to this point? And, you know, and for the women on the podcast, we talk a lot about, um, the self love triangle and the bottom of the triangle is infinite worth and knowing that. And then the next level is gratitude and then acceptance. And then self-care is at the top 
And I find every time I get into that loop, I flip that around. I, I start growing oh. the bottom up thinking, oh, if I can just self-care myself to accepting yeah. and, you know, having gratitude and finding my worth. And, and every time it's a job and the struggle to flip that triangle back over and to build the, what I know. So I think that that's kind of what you're also saying is, oh, for sure. You know, it's you, every time we change again, we've got to like figure out, okay, wait, because that voice shows up here. It comes that voice, the, oh no, you know, <laughs> and yeah, those patterns are really strong. Like, um, you know, the, like if, okay, I need to just stop this thing or mm-hmm. no more eating that or, or like, you know, just like those, I, it was, it was interesting to me how quickly those could come back up. But yet again, like still, I am stronger than I was 16 years ago. And I had the tools and the wherewithal to deal with it better. Well, I would love to dive in and you share with us how you figured out to connect and you've shared quite a bit, but I would, you have a new, um, a course, a free course. We're going to talk about that in a little bit about habits. Yeah. And I'd love for us to shift now and talk a little bit about habits and how habits have helped you go from this need for perfection mm-hmm. to, I think habits is the secret sauce. If the development of habits is where mm-hmm. that progress comes. So tell us about that and how you kind of de- figured that out and what, how that's mm-hmm. looked for you. So my passion with habits was not accidental or chosen. And I still like kind of amazed that this is something I like to talk about and teach about because it, my relationship with habits was very similar with all the other relationships we talked about with progress. And even my relationship body, it was all or nothing. And these are the ways you form habits. So, you know, you do 21, 28, 100 days of perfect consistency. You know, this is, this is how you form a habit. It's a lot of willpower. It's based on a lot of personal discipline. It's based on, um, basically a fake life that none of us have of having ideal days all stacked together. And then you form a habit, poof, it's there. You just decide. And I blamed myself after I had that big nosedive in, you know, the, my early twenties. And then part of that big 10 years of me being on the sidelines was me being on the sidelines with my own personal habits. Like I was not journaling anymore. I, I, uh, there were most of my supportive habits were all over the place, like sleep. And there were a lot of like numbing behaviors that were coming in, you know, things like that. Um, and as I was working on that progress over perfection mindset, and then practices that went with it, it was undeniable to me that I had to make habits a part of how I was growing and how I was changing. And it was kind of practical because, uh, you know, in large part practical, I would say, because I needed to have the time (laughs) to lean into these new interests, like to practice my flute again. Like I was, I was doing all these things, you know, of, of leaning into the mediocre side of me and being okay with it. I needed time to do those things. And I also knew that I needed to be, have more support because my life couldn't change much on the outside. I still had to be a primary caretaker of my then three small children. And, um, with, very little financial means and a husband who worked all the time. So I couldn't pay for support. I couldn't ask for support a lot. Um, we could work towards support in other ways over time, but I had to start with internally supporting myself. And so the shifts I was having in terms of my relationship to growth 
definitely trickled down into how the way I began to show up to habits differently too. It was way, uh, I, it was less about shame and blame and like that, that, uh, internal drive. We often have about habits like grit your teeth, do it, get it done. You know, it was less about that anymore. And it was far more compassion centric. And it also made a lot more room for failure and it also made room to actually start small and messy and build over time towards supportive habits. So, um, now I feel like my habits are completely supportive. My whole day isn't bound by habits. I'm not like the super regimented every day needs to follow this exact order. But what it more is, is my view of habits are completely different than they were before, before they were balls and chains. They were, these are things I'm supposed to, and need to do to be a good person, just like with weight and the way I did, you know, did food or ate and all that kind of stuff. It was the same thing with habits. I had like had to first rewire the way I defined them and the way I formed them. And now I would say that I view habits as supportive and something that are there to help me. And I get to choose in ways that reflect what I want and need in my season. And it's changed my life in many ways. It's also made what I, what my life is now more possible because now, you know, we're going to be having our fifth kid in January and it's still a very chaotic, stressful life, but I can show up completely different to it than I did in the past because I am myself because I'm supported. And that's where habits have come into play for me. So I love what you said about, you came out about it from a place of compassion that, um, tell us more about that. Tell us what you said it might mean it started slow and messy. Explain mm-hmm. a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the biggest way I think I can exemplify how compassion helps actually form habits is if we think about the reverse, if we say in order to build a habit, you have to um, be consistent, right. For this amount of days. And everybody has a number in their head. Most people say 21 or 28 or 100 days, but that was very a regimented view. And it's often driven with a lot of like shame and we must go do, you know, these things. And us women, like we very rarely have ideal days all stacked together. And, but in in the old model, you know, let's say I got to 20, 20 days out of the, the 21 or 23 out of the 26, you know, or a 28. And I, I missed that day. The old me would say, I messed it all up now. I ruined that's it. it all. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I didn't work. I failed. So I'm done. And it builds this sense of identity in the way that you view yourself and also the way you view your capacity to form habits. And a lot of us carry these like habit identities around with us about our relationship with habits and our beliefs about how we personally form them, meaning how we can't because we keep failing. But the reason why you keep failing is because there is no room. There's no room for an unideal life. You know, it's the way that we need to form habits as women must be different. And the primary source of that is having room for flexibility. And that flexibility is definitely bound in in compassion for sure. Flexibility in terms of like how you show up, meaning like it's allowed to start small and build over time, but also um, compassion and flexibility in in terms of failures, instead of making it mean, oh, I I just went back to ground zero 
It's no, like you, you, consistency is doing your best most of the time over time. And your best is not perfect either. Your best will change day to day and it will change season to season. It's been that way during this morning sickness time for me. It's been that way for me when I had kids with really significant mental health struggles. Um, it's been that way for me when my spouse is not doing well and I need to, you know, step up in different ways and have less time for myself. Um, so your best is allowed to change day to day. It's allowed to change, but there's still consistency in there because you have baselines to fall back to ones that are still rooted in what you need to feel supported, but in ways that can happen on your worst of days. And that's where the consistency can happen because of the flexibility you give yourself those worst of day options. And then with time you are able to build and grow and have more of those best of day, uh, versions of your habit until that becomes like your worst of day version, you know, with, with journaling or meditation or walking, you know, things like that, it, it becomes more of a natural part of what you can do with very little energy and motive motivation. And it, it's not reliant on the do this, do it now kind of mindset anymore. Yeah. So we don't have a ton of time left and I really want you to be able to share. Cause I think everyone's like, well, tell us more Monica. Like, how do we actually do this? And yeah. I know that you have created something really wonderful that I really want you to be able to talk about. Thanks, Trish. So I do have a full course and it's called, um, the sticky habit method. And it's my habit method for real women leading real lives. And when women, when I say women must do habits differently, it's not because we are weak. It's because we're not robots. And, you know, a big part of how we've been designed to fail. We have experienced this within our relationships with food and our bodies. We were set up to fail with those. They, you know, the way that we, yes, the way we've been taught our bodies must look about how we have to eat, how to exercise. Those are robotic prescriptions. And we know what that failure feels like, but the same is true for habits. You've been set up to fail with the methods and the models we've been given, which are designed for robots, but it's also mostly designed for men. And I'm going to teach about more about why that is. And the number one reason why women must do habits differently in a free class I'm doing, um, on September 14th, it's, um, it's free. It's 45 minutes of jam packed teaching that is all backed, um, by decades of research. And it's not me doing a quick Google search. This is hundreds of scientists who have devoted their entire careers to studying this main issue that I'm going to share. And it works. It's true for all women across the board, whether they have children or don't, or work inside the the home or work outside the home or retired, whatever it is, it it's true for all. And once I know the truth about, Hey, I've actually been set up to fail. And this is the biggest reason why Mm. then it gives women a way to not only like, you know, when you know better, you do better. That's for sure. True. But in this case, you don't just do better. You do things differently. And when you're able to actually do things differently, you know, in a way that's designed for you, you begin to form a new identity with your habits and with your capacity to do them. You also grow in your confidence to support yourself and to have the, you know, intuition of how you need to shift your habits based off your season or what's going on personally for you and your family. And it's a whole different way of living. And it's also a whole different way of feeling about your life too. I said earlier, my life couldn't really change. And that's really true now too. Uh, you know, my life doesn't look much different 
But if you want to feel different showing up to your life, if you want your life to change without having to change your whole life, you start with a lot of things, but I would say start with supporting yourself in the ways that you can. Yeah, that's really powerful. So tell them how do they get to find the info on that oh, thanks. free class? I apologize. Yeah. They can just go to aboutprogress.com slash habit class. And that's singular habit class. And if by chance they're listening to this later after September 14th has passed, I hope to soon have a permanent free recording of it available for them on that same link. It might not be like on September 15th or 30th. I still would prefer they make it live if they can, but it it should be there um, and always available and free, always free. And I can put that link in the show notes for them too. That'd be great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So Monica, thank you for coming on today. I, I'm in a messy part of my life. So to hear that I have not, cause I think that, um, I think we share the same faith and uh, many of the, our listeners are of the same faith. And I think that the adversary shows up in your life and is just wants to always tell you how you're doing it wrong. Uh-huh. And I also <laughs> teach habits within my breathe program and but it's almost like I've had these feelings of, well, I've just done it wrong for nine months now. So I don't know. I can't be the coach almost, you know, like you just, Oh, we do that all the time to ourselves. Yeah. Yes. And so it's just been so nice to have so many good reminders for me today. And I'm sure that my listeners needed that too. So thank you so much. Thank you for letting me invite myself on. (laughs) I've, I've really enjoyed speaking with you. I mean, you're an incredible listener and uh, I hope this can be just a, a help a little boost for the women who are listening today. It totally will be. All right, friends. Thanks for listening and letting us be part of your life today on your walk or in your car or wherever you're at. All right. Have a great day. Have a great day. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. All right, friends, before you go, I just want to tell you how much I'm looking forward to bringing the podcast back and um, visiting with you once a week again. Ever since I stopped recording, I always still have a podcast in my brain. So I've been taking lots of notes and I have a long list of all the topics that I'm excited to talk to you about. And so that will be coming soon. New podcasts, when they come out, will start dropping on Tuesdays instead of Thursdays. So be checking out your, um, wherever you listen to podcasts, be checking on Tuesdays to see when episodes drop. All right, friends, I've missed you. I hope you're doing amazing. Okay, have the best day today. Bye-bye.